When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Wow. I feel like I've been gone for a while. And I, it's been 14 days since my last podcast fessional. Um, I took a little bit of a hiatus because my best friend and life companion passed away, Fozzie Bear. My little five-pound Mexican asshole passed away um, when I went to the desert. And I realized uh, something about the desert that I did not know. Your, your tears dry very fast in the desert because it's so dry. So if you're going to cry, go to the desert um people it'll be harder for people to know you're crying because your tears evaporate into the desert air (laughs) um yeah I I went to Palm Springs and it was gonna be a weekend off with myself Laura Murphy who is I I talk about repeatedly on this podcast and my assistant Liz Perez and her girlfriend Chelsea we all went to the desert and it was going to be a weekend where we just relaxed. You know, I Airbnb'd a place. I've never done that before. So I found a cute little house with a pool in the backyard. It was really a weekend for the dogs. You know, I wanted Carlin to have a little backyard action. Fozzie to go light up the whole backyard with his piss and shit because he's an animal. Literally and figuratively. And it turned out to be Fozzie's death weekend. That's, that's what it turned out to be. And, um, if it, it hits you every once in a while. I don't know if anyone's ever lost a dog. It's a weird thing. It's a weird relationship because it's, they become, (laughs) is there something against crying on a podcast? (laughs) I, I, you know, he was a part of my family. He was my family. And, um, I feel like I lost a person that that's what it feels like. And God damn it. I said I was going to do this podcast and not fucking cry. (laughs) I apologize if I'm, uh, making you cry as well. And if you're not crying, you're just dead inside, which I'm happy to find out that I'm not dead inside because I'm crying. Um, yeah, it just, it's weird because I feel like I, I, uh, lost someone, you know, I had to like stop myself from being like, yeah, someone died. It's a dog. But I think because, you know, looking back, I realize how much he meant to me 
And even though he was five pounds, the space that he took up in my heart feels like a person. You know, it's that big. So it was tough. It was very, very tough. I've had that dog for 10 years. I got him when he was about four months old. He was a rescue from a puppy mill I found online. And his name was Smokey when I found him. And I was like, that's a terrible fucking name. So I changed it to Fozzie Bear. You know, I have my dog Carlin. And I used to have a dog named Gilda. You know, I'm a comedian. So there's certain aspects of my life that that I wanted to incorporate into dog names. Because I'm a total fucking dork. So Fozzie Bear was it. You know, Fozzie Bear is, is the Muppet. Waka, waka, waka. He was the, the Jewish Muppet. Nobody really said, but he was a Jewish stand-up comic. You know, Fozzie Bear, how, how many, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Yeah, classic material. Grade A comic. <laughs> and I got him, I got Fozzie Bear actually when I was living with my boyfriend Randall in Boston he was my first boyfriend that I lived with and Randall didn't want a dog. He was very adamant about that and I'm a bitch <laughs> and I wanted a dog. So I was like, oh, you don't want one? Okay. But I just kept going on these websites looking at dogs and just asking Randall, you know, I'd show him the photos. It's basically like you feel like you're looking on online profiles, like you're dating, but you're looking for a dog. And I kept asking Randall, you know, is this dog cute? Is this dog cute? And because he just, he didn't want any of the dogs. You no, know, no, no. It, it was all no's. And the one yes was Smokey. And he's like, you're not getting a dog, but that one's really cute. And so I bought, I bought him that night. <laughs> I bought him that night. He was, he was in, I think he was in Wisconsin. And he had to fly, you know, he had to get flown in. My dad actually bought him for me. My dad gave me his credit card number. So I wasn't alone in this process, Randall. FYI. You have Joe Peluso to blame because I have Joe Peluso wrapped around my little finger because I'm the youngest of four daughters. So he was in on the scam. He was in on the scam, okay? So (laughs) I didn't commit this alone. So my dad gave me the credit card number and I bought Fozzie or Smokey and I'll never forget the day I had to go pick him up. So I'm living in Boston and my boyfriend's like, well, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I got to go to work for a couple hours. I took the train from Com Ave in Alston to Logan Airport and Fozzie came in this enormous crate, like the crate that I use now for Carlin who is about 60 pounds, that's the size of the crate that Fozzie came in. And when I walk up to the receiving area where I picked Fozzie up in the luggage, uh, the the, um, baggage claim, all I could see was ears. I just saw two big fucking ears and I was like, oh my God, this is my dog. And he was so terrified and I, I put him in my jacket. That's probably the reason he became an asshole because the moment I got him, I wrapped him in my fucking coat like an idiot. He immediately became possessive over me. But he was just, he was like a pound. I remember I took a photo of him once when I got him and he was, his body was smaller than a soup can. So I, I get home to the apartment. I, I, Randall had no idea. I can't, I'm such an asshole. Looking backwards, what a dick move. Like your boyfriend's apartment, not your apartment. He doesn't want a dog. Oh, really? Too bad. 
So I open the door and I let Fozzie run in and Randall's in the bathroom, which is like around the corner from the, the door, the, the little like foyer area. Yes, I said foyer. Fucking suck it up. And so all I, I see Fozzie go run into the bathroom and all I hear is Randall go, what is that? <laughs> and it's such a conundrum because you got, he was angry. Of course he was angry because I went against his desires. It's his apartment. But the funny thing is, Fozzie was so fucking cute. His anger just dissipated. Randall's anger just dissipated the moment he looked at Fozzie's face because he looked like a goddamn bat. He had a little, little teeny face, enormous ears, and he was like a pound. And so Randall's like, all right, I guess this is our dog. And it took like a week for us to name him Fozzie Bear. And he lived with us there in Boston, you know. Uh, I lived there for about four years. Fozzie traveled fucking everywhere. That dog is my travel, well, was my travel companion. We traveled everywhere. Randall and I traveled a lot. Um, Fozzie went to Disney World with us a few times. He didn't get to go on the rides, but, you know, he he made it to Kissimmee and chilled in the air-conditioned house. (laughs) And the first three months having Fozzie was such a pain in the ass. I don't know if anyone's had a puppy but they whine. Some of them whine when you leave them at night. And it sounds like you're physically abusing a parakeet with emphysema. That's the closest um, sound I can. That's the closest way I can describe to how a puppy sounds when they whine at night, especially a dog that size with a high pitch yelp. Three months every night. Randall was like uh, on the verge of kicking me out (laughs) but he's such a good guy he dealt with it because he also fell in love with Fozzie and you know that relationship ended unfortunately Randall and I are still friends he's one of the greatest guys I've ever known um and it, it was funny because Randall told me after we had broken up you know years later he has this beautiful, you know, he had, Randall has beautiful stuff in his apartment. So that's why he didn't really want a dog. He didn't want his shit to get fucked up, which I understand. And it makes sense. And he had this really cool shag rug. Not like, you know, uh, Austin Powers, yeah, baby, shag rug. Like a nice shag rug. And a couple times Fozzie, you know, peed on it when we were in the throes of potty training him. But... I didn't realize the the level of destruction that dog did to that shag rug until afterwards when I, you know, had left and Randall and I had been broken up for years and Randall calls me and he goes, you know, I had my floors redone and they had to lift up the rug to, you know, get to the floors and it looks like the, he didn't miss a spot on the rug. (laughs) He must have covered, and the rug was like, I don't know. It was a big ass rug and Fozzie hit up every corner of that rug. And it was an expensive, like handmade shag rug. So Randall, I owe you a shag rug for you putting up with Fozzie Bear for so long. But thank you for loving him as much as you did because he certainly loved you. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was one relationship Fozzie saw me through. Fozzie saw me through three serious boyfriends. I've lived with three men. Fozzie outlasted all of them. Randall was the first one. Um, Johnny the Greek was the second one. And the third one was Giannis, another Greek. And those are my three boyfriends that Fozzie outlasted. And um, 
you know, managed to dominate all, you know, be the dominant one to all of them. <laughs> I don't think Fozzie ever bit Randall. I don't think he ever bit Johnny. He definitely bit Giannis in the face once. But, it, you know, Fozzie and I were snuggling and Giannis came in kind of, you know, you can't come in hot. If you have a chihuahua, you can't come in hot with a chihuahua. You got to give him a minute. So Giannis came in a little too hot and Fozzie bit him in the face. And the funniest thing was Giannis's face when Fozzie bit him because Giannis really bonded with Fozzie. You know, he, he just really had a special connection with the dog. He looked like he was heartbroken. That was the funniest fucking thing, like, to see this grown-ass man get bit in the face by a five-pound dog, and it really hit his soul. <laughs> he just looked like, what the fuck, dude? What about all? What about everything we've been through? What about all the ups and downs? You're just going to do me like that? Oh, my God. So, yeah, Fozzie... Vazi outlasted all my relationships or, or, you know, stuck with me through all my relationships. We've lived in so many places. Um, I, I must, I, I've lived in, God, Fozzie, Fozzie lived in my first apartment with me in Boston. Then I moved to New York City with my friend Erin Birmingham, who is now a lawyer in Boston. Um, her and I moved to New York City from Boston together, along with our friend Alicia Zoidis. And we lived on Madison Street, not Madison Ave. We moved to Bedsty, but we used to tell everybody, "Yeah, we're on Madison." We just would never specify that it was the Bedsty Madison, not the, you know, up, you know, Manhattan proper Madison Ave. We lived on Madison between Lewis and Marcus Garvey, and then we moved to Stuyvesant Heights, which is still Bedsty, and we lived on Bainbridge between uh, Lewis and Stuyvesant, I think. And then I moved in with my second boyfriend to Astoria, Queens. And I lived on 21st Street right off of Ditmar Stop. Fozzie lived there. And then I moved, broke up with that guy. Moved into a really shitty apartment on 138th and Lenox, Spanish Harlem. Uh, horrible apartment. Think about that apartment when I moved there. I was watching a documentary about prostitution in America with my mother once. As you do, you know, uh, uplifting <laughs> Most people drink box wine and watch Lifetime Network with their mom. Nope, not me. I, I drink box wine and watch depressing uh, documentaries about sexual trafficking in our homeland. <laughs> um, I forget what it was called. It came out in like 2007. I'm going to have to look it up. And one of the buildings that they featured that was a centrifugal a meeting point for a lot of the pimps and prostitutes was my apartment building. And it popped up on the screen and my mother had just visited. She had just come to the apartment and she, this, so the apartment building comes up and then, you know, the narration over it is like 138th and Lenox is a hot spot for prostitution in America, particularly this building. And I'm just staring and I'm, I'm like dying inside. I'm like starting to get upper lip sweat. And I just, I feel my mom look at me from across the room and, and I just hear her say in her upstate Syracuse accent, Oh, it's a safe neighborhood? Is that what it is? Honey, god damn it. Are you a, are you a fucking prostitute? <laughs> so that was another apartment that Fozzie and I lived on. Lived in, what is that, five by now? Let's see, two in Bed-Stuy. Astoria, Queens. This is the fourth one, 138th and Lenox. And then I moved after four months of living there because it was so bad. 
that's a place where somebody slipped a dental dam under my door. I think I mentioned that the last podcast. Someone slipped a fucking dental dam under my door with a Wendy's application. And and where all the went you know the work skills were this person wrote sexual skills and you know he, overqualified really for the job so had to leave that apartment i moved in with my now best friend natalie tucci her and i moved into 147th and saint nick west side of harlem harlem proper the nicer area more gentrified at that time safer we moved there 147th and saint nick our fifth apartment Fozzie lived there with us and I realized throughout the years that Fozzie had become um the catalyst for a bunch of my friends getting dogs which is a beautiful thing you know um when you know somebody who has a dog and you're not a dog person per se or you are a dog person you just don't have a dog you realize the value they add to their life so I I got a message from Giannis's best friend who I, you know, became friends with when him and I were together, Jesse Scaturo, who is a really great photographer and Giannis's business partner back in the day in in Brooklyn. And he sent me a message about Fozzie and, you know, he said how Fozzie inspired him to get a dog. And I thought that was really unique and sweet. And so when Natalie and I lived together, he inspired her to get a dog and she got a puppy while we were living together. And the puppy made the same crazy bird sounds for a few months. And I had, I experienced the karma of having Fozzie when I was like, Natalie, don't get a dog. Don't, don't, it's so much work. Don't do it. Please don't get a dog. And then she showed up with the dog and I'm like, son of a bitch. Karma comes back. It comes back so hard. Hits you right in the asshole with it, with an iron skillet. So her dog cried for three months. I, I texted her. We were, in, <laughs> we were in our apartment one morning. She's in her room. I'm in my room. I texted her from my room. Shut your dog up. I have to get to work. It was so funny. And her and I laugh about that still to this day. So she got Bella and Winston because of Fozzie. And so then Fozzie and I moved again. So this is the sixth apartment. We moved to Hoboken. I lived on Park and First in Hoboken with my really good friend still, Larry Neumeister, who is a, a journalist for the Associated Press in New York City. Hey, Larry. Um, we lived in a railroad-style apartment, which if you don't know what that is, it means that the bedrooms are connected. And the only way, if you're in the last bedroom, you have to walk through the next bedroom to get through the apartment. So Larry had to literally walk through my bedroom anytime he wanted to get into the apartment or out of his bedroom. He had to walk through mine. So it was an interesting living situation. I lived there for almost two two years, and him and Fozzie really bonded. He was so great with Fozzie. Um, he didn't get a dog, but he was, you know, so wonderful with him. And he would tell me that he could always tell when I was coming home, Fozzie would perk up. And he would perk up even before I got to the door downstairs, which is four flights below the apartment. And I don't know how the fuck Fozzie could hear me. I don't know. Every time it happened, I would walk into the apartment and Larry would look so shocked sitting on the couch and he would tell me every single time, I I don't know how to explain it, but Fozzie knew you were coming home before he could even hear you or I could even hear you. So, you know, we had, we just had this crazy bond, man. And so that was in Hoboken. And then from Hoboken, I moved in with Giannis, my, my third and last boyfriend, we I moved in with him and his mother 
in, uh, in Park Slope. We lived on Third Street, right below the park, uh, right before, uh, right, right near Park Slope. The um, Prospect is it Prospect Park there? I, for, I always forget, or is it just Park Slope Park? I think it's Prospect Park. Pretty sure. Beautiful park. Same architect as the one who created the uh, Central Park, d- designed this park in Park Slope. We lived right below it. I moved in with him and his mother. Um, his mother was 80 years old and had Alzheimer's. And we lived in that apartment together. It was ca- pure chaos. It was the most chaotic time of my life. Um, he, it was the house he grew up in. Uh, his mother was a, a bit of a hoarder. And when I moved in, I put a fire under his ass to get rid of all of her shit when she wasn't looking you know, because with Alzheimer's, you have moments of lucidity. So you couldn't do it in those moments because she'd freak the fuck out. So we had to do it when she was just, you know, off in the clouds. We would pack up a bunch of shit and bring it down to the basement. We were like thieves in the night. We would have to, we had a process of how we got rid of the shit in her house. She just had papers and she hoarded everything, orn- Christmas ornaments and and just anything and everything. She kept everything. She kept tissue boxes and the, just the most random things. And it just wasn't healthy or sanitary. It wasn't uh, a, a good way to live. But she didn't know. You know, she's an elderly woman with a mental disorder, a mental disease. And so I just told him, like, we got to get this shit out. And so our process was at night when she'd go to sleep, him and I would bust ass and pack up as much shit as we could and bring it down in the basement. And we just kept her out of the basement for months. And whenever she'd have a moment of lucidity and look around and realize some things were missing, we'd just be like, no, 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 here's some chocolate. Do you want some chocolate? How about this? You know, she was a Greek. She was from Crete. 80-year-old woman from Crete, Anna. Anna Pappas. And she talked like this. And, you know, it give her some chocolate. Do you want some chocolate? Don't worry about the papers. They're gone. So we would just fucking literally distract her with bars of chocolate. <laughs> so she wouldn't go down in the fucking basement. So that we could continue to clean the house that he grew up in that was just covered in stuff. And, and, and so... And then the process from bringing all the shit downstairs, we'd bring it out to the curb. So it was like this conveyor belt of, of us just, you know, cleaning out his house. And really, now that I think of it, it was probably cathartic for him emotionally to get rid of all this stuff for his mom. Because, you know, it, it, of what it probably did to him mentally to realize his mother had gotten to this level of hoarding stuff in her house and living in that situation. So I'm sure it was good for him, but I'm carrying boxes of ornaments from 1962 with tissue boxes in it and, you know, hair ties from the 80s. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I doing? This is what love has done to me? I I don't know if love is healthy. If I'm spending my Saturday nights carrying out boxes of hoarding items from an 80-year-old Cretan woman who... Uh, you know, argues with me about where I keep the butter. (laughs) Her and I used to argue about the butter all the time because I grew up, my mother always keeps the butter out. We put it in a glass container and we keep it out next to the fridge because then it's soft. It's easier for spreading and you can still cook with it the same. It's just a little bit more manageable. So every time I come downstairs, the butter would be back in the fucking fridge. And I'd have arguments with the 80-year-old woman about butter, which is just dumb. But it just shows you how, you know, I was at my wit's end 
my wicks end with this whole situation. <laughs> so in that whole time, I was living with Giannis, with his mother. You know, I was doing stand-up comedy. I was pursuing it hardcore, and Fozzie was there. And Giannis really loved Fozzie, and he really realized the value of dogs. And so we ended up adopting another dog named Gilda, who was a Portuguese pedango. We thought she was... Um, a, a different type of dog and Laura Murphy used to have a Portuguese pedango and she corrected us. She's like, no, you have a Portuguese pedango. And, and Gilda was a dope dog, very hard to train. She used to run away. One day we lost her for four hours. We thought she was gone. We lost her in the park and we looked for four hours. It was pouring rain. Giannis and I split up. I was crying. I was sobbing and four hours we looked for her. We went home. She was home. She ran home. Ran right to the door, scratched on the door, and, and Anna Papas let her in. So Gilda was a very difficult dog and hard to deal with. So hard to deal with that she was actually on my friend Justin Silver's dog show back in the day on CBS. I think it was on CBS. It was called Dogs in the City. Justin is a dog trainer, and he had an episode with Gilda and Fozzie Bear on it. He didn't work with Fozzie Bear. It was just for Gilda because she was so fucking crazy and obsessive about going outside and trying to get out. And, you know, she had a very high prey drive. So she was a tough dog, a tough rescue to deal with. But we had her. And then we were like, well, maybe if we get another dog, she'll be easier to deal with. So that's where Carlin came in. We got Carlin at Bark Shelter. It, it was a bully breed shelter, no kill. And very small room. Um, uh, it, it, sorry, it wasn't Bark Shelter. It was Sean Casey Shelter. I got Gilda from Bark Shelter. Bark Shelter's in Williamsburg in New York. Sean Casey is in Park Slope in New York. They specialize in bully breeds. So please go there and find a dog. Um, go to Bark Shelter and, f and adopt a dog. You can find any breed, any age of dogs in a shelter. I will reiterate that again and again. So we went to... Sean Casey shelter to get Gilda a friend because we're fucking crazy. And I walk in and it's ceiling to floor, floor to ceiling cages, three stacked up three and covering the whole room. So basically you walk into a room of cages right in your face and all the dogs are barking rightfully so because they're in crates because of the limited space and there's mastiffs and there's Italian mastiffs and there's Dobermans, um, pit bulls, bulldogs, boxers, you know, all the breeds that everyone's terrified of because they don't educate themselves. And I was like, well, I don't know about this because they all seem a little unruly and crazy. And so what I did to pick a, a dog out, I put my hand right outside the cage to test the aggression level. And I got to Carlin's cage. All the dogs were barking at me. And, and I felt like they were going to bite me if I got my hand any closer. Because it's a very stressful situation. And, and, and one thing I want to say to people who go to a shelter to adopt a dog. The personality that the dog has developed in the shelter isn't necessarily their true characteristic. Um, so don't judge a dog by his cover. Because... It's just a stressful situation for them. So just know that, that, you know, understandably, you probably won't want to take a dog that's barking aggressively at you, but just understand that if you see a dog that you like, there are ways to work with that 
um, attitude into and, and realize that when you get them home after a few days of them adjusting, they can be a totally different dog. Uh, it might take a trainer. It might take some foresight and education, but just know that. And so Carlin, when I put my hand up to his cage, he was the only dog that turned around and showed me his ass, which is a very submissive thing to do. And I was like, I want that dog. And so we took Carlin home that day. And I lived in Park Slope with Giannis Pappas, his mother of 80 years old with Alzheimer's disease, in his childhood home with my dog, Fozzie Bear, the five-pound Chihuahua, our Portuguese Pedango, the 35-pound Gilda, and then our new dog, Carlin, the boxer pit bull mix, who was about 50 pounds. So there was like a thousand pounds of people living in this house. (laughs) And it was the craziest time of my life, but I don't regret any of it. Um, I don't. And so that relationship ended. And from Park Slope, Fozzie Bear and I moved to, we lived on the couch with Laura. Laura Murphy took me in because she's a saint. I lived on her couch and Fozzie stayed with me. I couldn't bring Carlin and Gilda with me, obviously, because Laura lived in a studio apartment near um, Murray Hill in Manhattan. So I, I, you know, I'm not that much of an asshole to bring three dogs into a friend's apartment. So I just brought Fozzie Bear with me and Gilda and Carlin stayed with Giannis. It was a very difficult time. You know, it just was hard. The breakup was hard. Um, I I didn't know what to do with the dogs. I I didn't have a place, an apartment yet. This is right after Girl Code came out. So it was such a weird place to be in, to be on this successful show. I'm getting all this recognition. My career is starting to take off. And my emotional life, my private life is a total fucking disarray. And so it, it was very hard. It was very difficult for me because, you know, Giannis gave Gilda to our friend Frank Gallo, who it, it, Gilda is now his family's dog, which makes me happy. It, 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 it's heartbreaking, but it, it makes me happy. And it made me happy then to know that she was going to be with somebody we knew. He had daughters, and she's a great dog. She's very protective and, and sweet and loves to play. So... And he had some trouble with her because she's a difficult dog and, and, you know, it takes somebody with education and patience to deal with her. And so he almost gave her up, but I'm glad he didn't. He stuck with her. And then Carlin got passed around a little bit. We had friends watch him. You know, um, my manager at the time, Chris Italia, watched him for a little bit. Kendra Cunningham watched him for a little bit. A couple comedians just stepped up and Carlin couch surfed. until I got my own apartment and I lived on 121st and 3rd in Spanish Harlem yet again full circle um and I got a a one bedroom up there and I got Carlin and it was just me and and Carlin and Fozzie Bear so how many apartments is that now guys two in Bed-Stuy we went to Astoria Queens then I went to the the prostitution house and then Natalie and I moved into 147th and St. Nick. Then I went to 112th and Park or Park and First in Hoboken. Then I went to Park Slope. Then I went to uh, the Spanish Harlem. It's eight apartments in nine and a half years of living in New York City. 
So the eighth apartment is the one on 121st and 3rd that Fozzie Bear lived with me and Carlin. Very, it, it, and then we really started to settle into our groove. Um, I only lived there for less than a year because then I moved to L.A. I moved to Santa Monica. Foz, so that was my t- ninth apartment. And now I'm in my 10th apartment in about 11 years, 11 and a half years um, Fozzie lived in 10 apartments with me, uh, which is a lot of moving around. So that he, he, <laughs> he was a very nervous dog, <laughs> probably brought on by my constant flux, uh, in, 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 in moving around. But he just, it, I realized that he was <clears throat> the constant in my life. You know, and I was talking with my manager, Justin, about this. And even though I've had boyfriends and different scenarios and dated different men, Fozzie was always my guy. He, you know, he he was my dude. It, it didn't matter what was going on in my life. He just, that's why dogs are so amazing. They, they, they're so simple. They just want your love. And, and that's why they're so therapeutic and really great to have around because, you know, my, I could be going through these horrible situations with boyfriends and Fozzie was just always my guy through 10 apartments and countless, you know, dates, three serious boyfriends. Fozzie always, was the last thing <clears throat> I took out of the apartment with me. You know, all the boxes were packed up. I got my dog and I knew I was going to be okay. And so it, it it's just crazy to me how how long I had him. It, 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 oh, 10 years, but it, it felt like a lifetime because of all the, the places we lived in and the heartbreak and all of that. But I don't mean to make this a sad, I don't want you guys to cry, (laughs) but I also don't want to, you know, I, I, uh, I got to keep it real. And I just wanted to have like a little tribute to, to him, to Fozzie Bear. And he, you know, he went on a lot of road gigs with me. Carly Aquilino became his aunt on the road. We, we, we went to this one gig in Florida Captain Captain O'Brien's this gig oh my god it was in like a seafood restaurant and there was fucking all this these knickknacks these ship captain inspired goddamn knickknacks all around you could you there was a shark head next to you on stage I laughed so hard because Carly went up on stage this was a gig from like three years ago it was it was Chris DiStefano Carly and me and Carly went up on stage before me and she gets off and I was like, oh God, how was it? It's basically in the middle of a restaurant. Everyone's eating. You know, they're, they're eating all sorts of seafood. And Carly's like, yeah, it was great. Except I could hear people shucking clams. <laughs> oh my God. I laughed so hard. She's like, yeah, people are, I can hear them peeling and eating shrimp. It was a great, great time. So Fozzie Bear came with us on that gig. And... There was, you know, a little bit of an ocean area. So we went into the ocean a little bit. Chris, Carly, and I, and Fozzie Bear. (coughs) 
we went into the ocean just like this little bay area everyone's like walking around people are on paddle boards and so i brought fozzy to swim a little now fozzy you should know was a little bit of a dick he was a sweet asshole i called him my five pound mexican asshole because he just had a little spice to him you know he had a little bite literally had a little bite to him he would bite you when he met you and then he'd sit on your lap like a total fucking asshole like a typical man playing mind games like he'll bite you abuse you and then love you so you ha- so you take him back so we're swimming in the ocean these two elderly ladies are walking on the shore i have never seen my dog go this crazy he starts swimming towards the shore and carly's like where the hell is he going i was like i don't know I have no idea what's he doing because he doesn't like to be away from me. Swam towards the shore, ran out. Uh, He just bum rushed this lady, uh, just ran right at her, bitter in the shin. This like 85 year old woman that was power walking on the shore with her other friend, bitter in the shin. She falls over. The bite from the five pound Mexican chihuahua makes her fall down and Chris and Stefano and Carly and I are in the water like, holy fuck. Oh, Carly wasn't in the water. She was on the shore. (laughs) Chris and I are in the water like, what the fuck? And this lady falls down and I'm swimming, going to run over to her. Her shin is bleeding. She's rolling around in the sand. And I'm like, oh my God, are you okay? She's like, and then I look closer. Her knees have fresh surgery scars on them. Yet she was taking a slow exercise around the beach because she just had knee surgery like four weeks prior to this day so my dog attacked a woman who just got out of knee surgery (laughs) she fell carly's like are you okay are you okay this 85 year old woman tripped and her she's bleeding from her shin are you okay oh my god i just realized how much of an asshole my dog was at that moment And, you know, like years before I came to visit L.A. one time, I went to Malibu in a secluded area, sat on the beach on a blanket with Fozzie. Nobody's around. I was probably three, maybe 200 yards, maybe a football field length away from the the shore. I was way back, away from the ocean, sitting on a beach towel with my dog, listening to a little music, just him and I having a great day, beautiful sunny day. This motherfucker, book, this guy is running along the shore. Again, an elderly person. And this is all, you know, before I lived with Giannis's mom. So I can't even blame it on him living with an 80-year-old woman with Alzheimer's. Like he got some sort of, you know, adverse effect. No, this is just my dog being an asshole. So this guy's running along the shore. Fozzie just books it towards him. Aggressive fucking five pounds aggressive he looks like a goddamn critter anybody ever see the movie critters from the 80s that's my fucking dog coming at you he's a long-haired chihuahua he can look terrifying cute fucking face but all you see is hair and teeth okay critters i think they made that movie foreshadowing about my dog uh (laughs) so the guy i'm screaming i'm like fozzy fozzy so the guy picks up a handful of sand and throws it at fozzy because he was so scared (laughs) and then i hear him yell you gotta control your goddamn dog and i'm like sir if you only knew if you only fucking knew i try and control him but he's too cute okay what do you want from me you motherfucker oh god 
my Fozzie's bit everybody. He's bit one of my best friend, one of my best friends from New York, Charlie, Charlie Gariga, who used to, um, who owns the bar that I used to bartend at in Tribeca, Puffy's Tavern. You guys have heard me talk about it. Please go visit Puffy's Tavern. Charlie loved Fozzie, even though he called him Fozzie the fuck. Um, but he loved him. He loved his little spunky attitude. And he said something so funny when I was in New York City a couple weeks ago p- performing at FIT. He's like, "You're, I loved your dog. He he bit my children, but I, lo- I loved your dog. I laughed so hard when he said he bit my children. <laughs> oh, God. He just was a dick. <clears throat> he was such an asshole. But he was so cute. Um... He, one time, the first apartment I lived in, one of my really good friends, Jules, Jules, Julie Oliver, who um, lives in New York City as well. She's one of my besties. She owns a company called Organize NY. She can organize your life papers or, you know, rearrange your fucking living room. If you're a disaster, she can help you organize everything because she's a neurotic, meticulous person and has made a business out of it. But her and I were at my first apartment on Madison Street, hanging out in my bedroom, chilling with Fozzie Bear. Well, we weren't really paying attention to Fozzie Bear. We're like looking at photos or something, doing some girly shit. And I had this little popcorn lamp. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a popcorn lamp. It's just a style of lamp. You know, it's like a nightlight. And it was in the shape of strawberry shortcake. And it was on my nightstand. And we're just talking and the light kind of flickers a little. And she... Should we just look at it? And we're like, that's weird because all the other lights were fine. And then we're like, where's Fozzie? And we just kind of hear this little noise. We look under my bed. Fozzie has chewed the wires to that lamp raw and is literally being electrocuted on this cord, locked jaw, making the most horrific sound. And I'm like, oh my God, what do we do? And while I'm freaking out, I'm like, what do we do? What do we do? Julie just grabs... (laughs) grabbed Fozzie by the tail and yanked him off the wire and when she did this he shit everywhere he let out like electric like electrocution sharts all over my floor (laughs) she got him off the cord saved my dog's life and he sharted everywhere and wouldn't come near us for like a whole day because he's like, fuck you, bitches. Um, you're too busy looking at People Magazine to realize I'm being fried to fuck under your bed on your strawberry shortcake popcorn lamp, you fucking child. Grow up and get a real lamp. What are you doing with a popcorn lamp? And so Fozzie destroyed that lamp. Um, and I had to throw it out. And I just found it again recently on, on eBay. <laughs> so I, um, I bought it. And it's in my closet because it makes me too depressed to light it up because I am a melodramatic asshole. No, but that was just a funny. My dog got fucking electrocuted. I, you know, no wonder he was so crazy. And another time I was going to visit my cousin, Allie. She was living in Bedstock or Bushwick. This was about, I want to say 2011, maybe. So, and Fozzie Bear was going to be 11 this year. So, you know, he was, how, whatever that fucking math is, 2015 minus, so he was about seven years old. I don't know why that's important to the story. It's not. I'm, it's just me more highlighting the fact that I suck at math. <laughs> 
So I go to meet my cousin at her apartment. I, I've never been to her apartment. That's a very pertinent part of the story. Never been to her apartment. I pull up in my black Hyundai Elantra. Fucking love that car. It, it got destroyed when I moved to LA, but I, I loved it. Pull up in my Elantra. Fozzie loved it too because there was this little center console that was big enough for him to sit on. So he felt like a little goddamn ship captain. He used to sit up there and just act like he was driving the car. Act. Syracuse is coming out. I get emotional and the Syracuse comes out. So I parked the car in front of my cousin's house. And our plan was I was going to bring my dog. She had her little Shiba Inu. And her neighbor had a dog. So all three of us walked from her house that I've never been to to a dog park about a mile and a half away that I've also never been to. And it pretty much was just a straight walk down about a mile and a quarter and then a left turn about a quarter of a mile and there was a dog park. And I also had Gilda. That's another important part of the story. I just had gotten Gilda, had her with me and I wanted to socialize her. So me and Gilda and Fozzie Bear, my cousin and her dog, her neighbor and her dog all go into this dog park and it's the middle of the summer. And it's hot as fuck. And so I'm like, let me go get us some waters. I'll bring Gilda with me so she can, you know, we can have a little bonding moment away from Fozzie. I left Fozzie in the park and I was like, just keep an eye on Fozzie. I'll bring Gilda because I was thinking Gilda's new. She's not quite bonded to me. So she might run away, you know, because she doesn't know my cousin. She doesn't know my cousin's neighbor. So I was making a preemptive strike. So I walk across the street (laughs) and this story, let me just say before I tell you what happened this story really what, what happened this day to me proved that the bond between a dog and a human being is so can be so strong and uh unexplainable so I go into the store the corner store with Gilda grab a bunch of waters I come out and I look down the middle of the street and I see a bunch of people running in the middle of the street And I get closer and I walk across the street to the dog park and I look and I see Fozzie Bear running in the middle of the streets in Bushwick away from the dog park, running away. I panic, panic. I find some guy on the street corner, hand him Gilda. I go, the dog running down the street is my other dog. Please watch this one while I go try and find the other one. So I start running. My cousin is running down the street as well. And her neighbor stayed back to watch the dogs. So my cousin's running and she's like, I can't run anymore. You have to go. And so I go. And then my cousin goes back, sends the neighbor out. The neighbor comes out like like a fucking Olympic champion with her just running with straight 90 degree bent arms. Takes her shoes off. This bitch took her shoes off. People were in the streets running after Fozzie Bear. And so what happened was like a telephone, not a telephone, but like a snowball effect because my cousin was yelling Fozzie Bear when she started running. So the name traveled down and everybody running started yelling Fozzie Bear because they heard the person behind them yelling it. And so it just caught on like like a a verbal epidemic down the street closer to Fozzie as he ran further away from us. I'm hyperventilating. This is the middle of Bushwick in the summer it's the hood. We are in the hood. Three white girls running. One of them are barefoot running down the street, chasing a fucking chihuahua in the middle of the street, in the middle of the summer in Bushwick, New York. Um, I'm screaming. I ran, you know, I, I don't, I'm I'm very fit. 
I can't do distance running. I'm not a distance runner. And I realized that this day. I'm a sprinter. So I had to keep going and stopping, going and stopping. And so then I see him take a right. I'm like, where the fuck is this dog going? He just took a hard right. Like he knows where his friend Leroy lives down the street. And so I run. I could, he was fast as fuck. The little goddamn bastard was fast as shit. Takes, takes a right. I get to the corner. I'm hyperventilating. And I, I'm walk running because I have a cramp. I got one of those goddamn air cramps that get, that get up in your fucking rib. You know, when you're like, <gasps> I had one of those. And the funniest fucking thing is I'm yelling Fozzie Bear. And I stop in the middle of the street. And it's kind of a... um known thing that in Brooklyn a lot of people chill on their stoops and they chill on their fire escapes because people don't have backyards in Brooklyn really um, because everything's such a um, vertical existence people have apartments they don't have yards so they chill on their fire escapes so when I stopped in the middle of the street and put my hand on my knees and I was hyper hyperventilating a couple this woman on the fire escape to my left goes keep going baby he's down the street keep Fozzie Bear is down the street keep running the Spanish lady was like Fozzie Bear's down the street keep going from up on the in an apartment building above me to the left from a fire escape hanging from the fire escape this woman just goes keep going Fozzie Bear's down there and I'm like okay okay I run some more I stop another dude in a fire escape on like the right side was like Fozzie Bear's down there keep going I seen him run by the whole neighborhood was looking for my dog and I'll never forget another moment he ran so fucking far and so I ran Stopped again on a street corner. I'm literally hyperventilating. A cop car pulls up, sees me hyperventilating, doesn't even ask if I'm okay, and just pulls away. I couldn't even form a sentence because I was so out of breath. They didn't even ask me if I was okay. I'm like, oh, this is this is definitely Brooklyn. They don't even give a shit. They're like, white girl hyperventilating on the corner. I'm too busy for that. So this guy on a motorcycle comes by and he sees me running and he goes, are you, he stops by me and he goes, are you the one looking for the dog? And I said, yes. At this point, I thought my dog was gone. I had written it off. I was still running because I, I just, people from fire escapes were telling me to. So it was just like taking, you know, uh, <laughs> taking their advice and in, in their direction and going. So this guy pulls up, he goes, are you the one looking for the dog? And I said, yes. And he goes, get on. I get on the back of this guy's motorcycle without a helmet. We go. It felt like we took a cross-country trek on his motorcycle. That's what it felt like. But, you know, it was more like half a mile. We pull up. Fozzie Bear had noticed I had left the park. Didn't really know my cousin that well. And was fearful because he was in a new place. And... He had taken upon himself to leave the park and run all the way back, leave a park he had never been to, in a neighborhood he had never been to, and run all the way back to my car parked in front of my cousin's house that he had also never been to. So we pull up. Fozzie Bear was underneath my car. Terrified as fuck. Not only was he underneath my car, four cute little black boys, ranging from ages eight to about 12 13 each on a side of my car because they saw him run underneath there and they didn't want it makes oh my god it makes me like so emotional they didn't want him to get out and they wanted to make sure he was okay and didn't get hit by a car so each one of them 
blocked the sides and the front and back of the car. And we pull up. And when I get off the bike, Fozzie runs out to me. And I'm, like, shaking. (laughs) And I had, like, I don't know, 80 bucks in my pocket just from whatever reason. Just I had cash. And I gave it to the kids. And I was like, you are you're good men. I called them good men. They're like eight years old. You know, their their balls hadn't even descended yet. You're good men. I gave them 80 bucks. Um, and my cousin's neighbor finally caught up to us barefoot, sweating, toes are bleeding from running in the streets of Bushwick barefoot. And she goes to hug me because I'm holding Fozzie Bear and she's crying. I'm crying. We're in this moment of total just... Uh, relief and stress and all these emotions she goes to hug me fozzy bites her in the fucking face (laughs) right in the goddamn nose drew blood too she bled from her fucking face she had a she had a welt on her nose for about a week oh god that dog was one of a fucking kind he really was and um he just, he filled my life with pure joy. He drove me nuts, but he filled my life with pure fucking joy. And what ended up happening when I realized he was sick, he had heart disease. Um, it was the week I moved to LA from New York. I didn't have an apartment yet. Um, well, I had an apartment. I just didn't have any furniture in it. So I was waiting for my furniture to get delivered. So in the, in the interim of me waiting for the furniture to come, I was living at the W in Hollywood. <clears throat> Humble brag. Um, <laughs> and Fozzie was there with me and Carlin. I got transported with a pet service from Brooklyn. They picked him up in Brooklyn and I f- left to LA that day and he left in his car service to travel across country because I just, uh, you know, I don't know about putting him in the cargo of a plane. I just have heard too many horror stories and, um, airlines have breed restrictions, which is ridiculous. They restrict pit bulls, which is crazy. So Carlin arrived at the W about five days later. And so me, Fozzie Bear and Carlin were living in the W and Fozzie like, I want to say a couple months before I was staying with Chris Franjola. Was I staying with him? I might've been staying with him or I was visiting and I had, I was visiting LA and I went to go hang out with him. I forget what the circumstances were, but I was at his house with Fozzie and that's where he had his first episode. Chris and I were just hanging out and Fozzie just kind of fell over on the floor and had a little bit of a seizure no noises but he just was out of it and so Chris Frangiola being the wonderful friend he is drove us to the animal emergency clinic on Ventura Boulevard and I stayed there with Fozzie and they didn't see anything you know they, they didn't find anything because they fucking sucked um they couldn't find any sort of issue with him they did all sorts of testing charged me like a grand and sent me home And so fast forward to me living at the W, I was going to tape Chelsea Lately, a show that Chris Frangiola wrote on and and starred in and and, uh, was on for from the beginning. Um, I was going to tape Chelsea Lately. So I was walking Fozzie and Carlin. Actually, no, I didn't have Carlin. Carlin hadn't gotten there yet, but I was walking Fozzie and we come in and he collapses 
right in front of the elevator bank. And then the elevator door opens. So I pick him up. I get into the full elevator. And Fozzie had passed out. I thought he died. He was limp in my arms, like a wet noodle over my arm. I started hyperventilating in the elevator because I had no idea what was happening. Um, I was crying. And people were like, is he okay? I'm like, I think he's fucking dead. <laughs> so he came to. He was out of it. I ran to my room. I called Justin my manager. I was like, yo, something is really wrong with Fozzie. I have to be to Chelsea lately in two hours. I don't know what to do. So Justin picks me up. Or no, I, I drive to the, the closest pet hospital I could find. Justin meets me there. We send Fozzie in for, for testing. And because Justin's so great, he waits with Fozzie Bear while I go and tape Chelsea lately. I had to go and I didn't know. I had no idea what the condition was. I didn't know if he was okay. So I had to leave go to tape Chelsea lately. Not sure if my dog is going to be alive. I had to tell jokes. <laughs> um, and then, you know, do the whole show. And then that's when I realized that he had heart disease. And that was about, you know, almost, almost two years ago, a little over a year and a half. And that began him getting medicated and costing me about, I would say with all the medication and doctor's appointments and rushing to the animal hospital, the seizures, the medication adjustments, he probably cost me in two years, uh, maybe like 14 grand about that. And it sounds like a lot, maybe between 10 and 14 sounds like a lot. And it is a lot. Um, but I didn't even think about it. I guess I feel fortunate enough that I was able to afford that. A lot of people can't afford that and they have to put their pets down, which is terrible. Uh, I ended up finding a really great pet hospital in LA called ASEC, a manage animal specialist emergency center. I'm pretty sure that's what the acronym stands for. It's on Sepulveda in LA. Carly Salinger and her team are amazing there. She was a cardiologist and we, that was our, we were there. I knew the doctor, you know, I was like, Hey, what's up guys? You know, how's your mom? I was there so frequently. It was insane. Um, I remember one time I was there, <laughs> I blew up the bathroom. Okay. I had a bad day. I had a bad day. I fucking 4th of July fireworked the bathroom. It, 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 I had, I must've eaten something that just didn't agree with me. And I felt bad cause there's only one like customer bathroom in this emergency animal clinic. So I blew it up, shut the door. I came out, Kurt Russell standing right in front of me. And I just was, I wanted to say something to him. But then I'm like, bitch, you're in an animal hospital. Okay. His dog may be dying. And if his dog is not dying, he'll go to the bathroom and realize that you did something that made it smell like something was dying. So let's not, this now is the not the time to be like, I loved you from escape to LA. You know, you were great and overboard. It's not time for that. So I had to resist the urge to be like, I fucking love you. Um, so I, I did feel fortunate that I was able to keep him alive for as long as I did. He did have a lot of seizures. He did, you know, have times when he was uncomfortable, but the medication did help him. And something I learned from this uh, animal clinic that my doctor told me was that I think Jennifer Garner came in and paid vet bills for a couple people who couldn't afford it anonymously. And now I, I know I say anonymously, but the people didn't know that she did it. She didn't want anybody to know, but the doctor told me she came in and paid some pet, pet bills or 
pet bills for people, which is just, that's what I would do. If I had some money, I would, I would help pay bills for people, you know, for, for their kids, for their pets. I just think that's a, a wonderful thing to do. I'm over here like, yeah, she helped Fluffy, but what about Timmy who's really sick? I know a lot of you are going to be like, oh, kids are more important than ch- than pets. You should help children. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about right now. So yes, children should be helped as well. I'm talking about fucking dogs, okay? Well, not about fucking dogs because that's gross and that's bestiality and it's very rude. I'm talking about dogs. So I try to keep them alive, you know? One thing I didn't want to do was have to pull the plug. That was the one thing that stressed me out the most. Um, and when I would take these longer flights, you know, from L.A. to New York, my I'd have my assistant Liz stay with him, which I'm so grateful she did. Thank you, Liz. I love you. Um, Fozzie got to fuck for the first time because Liz has a dog named Winnie who's a little slut a fucking floozy who took advantage of Fozzie Bear and fucked him in his sensitive state. But Liz, a couple times when she was watching Fozzie and Winnie in my apartment, would send me videos of Fozzie and Winnie getting it on. And I'm like, my baby, at least he's getting some nookie, you know, on his way, on his, in his last years of life. So Fozzie had a girlfriend named Winnie. I call her Winnebago. Liz would watch Fozzie for me. And it's so crazy how things work out because Fozzie literally went everywhere with me. He's been to uh, British Columbia. He's been to Edmonton, Alberta, uh, British Columbia. Yeah, he's been to, um, yeah, we went to Victoria, British Columbia. He's been to Edmonton in Alberta in Canada. He's been to every city almost in this country touring with me. Um, He'd come with me every weekend. He literally was my companion, my travel companion, and just provided me with so much joy and uh made me so calm I felt better I slept better with him and so sometimes I couldn't take him because his his medical condition would be not so great for flying and it's in hindsight I realized that having Liz watch him a couple weekends while I was gone may prepared me for being able to be on the road without him since he's passed away um, so I'm very fortunate and, and I think it's crazy that how that happened and worked out, but it's just been, it, it, it's been difficult. I, I feel a little bit better. You know, I still have moments where I just break down like today on my podcast. <laughs> it's also, you know, it, it, I realize that he is and was my best friend. And the further away I get from him dying, the more I heal. But that's so painful to me because anyone who lost someone or or has lost a dog, the reality is time heals all wounds. And that's also a cliche. But to me, that's also painful because it's like you're getting further away from them being alive. And that, that just like... Uh, even though it's healing you, letting go is painful. Um, so what happened, uh, you know, I guess I'll tell you how he passed. We were in Palm Springs and I booked this weekend to have fun with my girlfriends, like I said in the beginning of this podcast. And I was like, you know, I have a weekend off. I'm going to take both of my dogs, which I rarely get to do. 
you know, I Fozzie went with me a lot on the road. Carlin suffers having to, you know, be boarded. He gets boarded with a great um, dog walker. He has a bunch of land to run around in and other dogs to play with. So I'm just saying he suffers because he doesn't get to be with his pack, me and Fozzie Bear, all the time. So I was so excited to have a weekend with my dogs and my best friends, you know, Laura Murphy and Liz have become my family and, and Chelsea. So we booked this place and Laura and I got there on Thursday night with Carlin and Fozzie in tow and, you know, just bringing in all the groceries and the dogs, the huge backyard, beautiful pool. It's called Pad 360 on Airbnb. It's in Palm Springs. It's a great place if you have a bunch of people that you want to go out to the desert with it has a beautiful view of the mountains there's a tire swing a hot tub a big pool a cabana um a fireplace it sleeps about 12 people it's just a great spot tucked in the desert and laura and i just chilled on thursday and i just remember feeling happy that the dogs had a whole yard to run in and i'll tell you i have these premonitions that I don't realize are premonitions until I look back in hindsight. When I when I clicked the button to pay on Airbnb for this um, weekend in Palm Springs, I booked it about a week and a half out before we left. I had a feeling in my gut that Fozzie was going to pass away. And I get these feelings once in a while and I get these little moments where I just have a gut feeling and it's so visceral and then I just shook it off. And then when I got there Thursday night, I felt it again and I shook it off. Fozzie was normal behavior, you know, with heart disease, their energy levels are lower. You can't really exercise them because you have to keep a um, consistent heart rate. Um, their, their lung capacity and is lower because their heart is enlarged. So it takes up more space in their cavity. So it makes it difficult for them to respirate. so you have to consider a lot of things so Fozzie didn't really have an active active life besides fucking Winnie unprotected every goddamn time I was away Winnie um hadn't gotten there yet Liz and Chelsea hadn't gotten there yet so it was just me Laura Fozzie Bear and Carlin and you know we all slept in one room that night Fozzie I just remember him being in the whole yard he just he ran around the whole yard he wouldn't even come to me when I called him which is uncharacteristic of him because he's so attached at my hip he was so um curious and happy that he was out in the yard half the night smelling and pissing all over the place taking dumps which is a good sign you know and so we all went to bed in the same room because we were scared to be in such a big new house laura and i were like let's just stay in one of the rooms with two beds because there's too many noises so we did that fozzy had his normal coughing he's woken me up every night since he was diagnosed with heart disease coughing so I haven't had a full night's sleep since Fozzie has been for about a year and a half since he got diagnosed I've always been woken up by him when he was with me coughing and hacking very loudly so that's one of the side effects it was horrible to deal with but I also felt bad because he was uncomfortable in the middle of the night So that happened on Thursday night. He coughed and hacked and woke me up and we did our routine and I calmed him down. That night I had a dream. When I woke, I woke up in the morning, I I remembered my dream that I had Thursday night. I had a dream that Laura and I were somewhere in Europe and we were traveling and we were with Carlin and we were in this little, we found a little rock quarry where there was water 
and there was a couple other people in there that were just swimming. And so Laura and I went in and we swam and we brought Carlin in and we swam, but Fozzie wasn't there. And I was trying to find Fozzie and I was obsessed with trying to find him and he was gone. And I woke up and, you know, I was like, that, that was a sad dream. And then it was early. I, w- I walked outside. There was also a hammock. And I just, you know, Fozzie was a little weird. He was a little, you know, sometimes in the mornings, if he had a rough night, he was a little lethargic and, you know, coughing and hacking. He was a little bit more distant than normal. <clears throat> and I found the hammock and I just had this thought, what if this is the last morning I have with him? And so I, I laid in the hammock and I picked him up and I put him on my chest and he laid down for a couple minutes and you know the sun was in his eyes and he just closed his eyes for a couple minutes and I pet him and then Carlin came over <laughs> like he always did because he always wanted to be in the sh- in our up in our shit when Fozzie and I were there and he put his face in my face and every single time he'd ever do that before Fozzie would bite him every single time and this time he didn't and I just had this sinking feeling in my gut it's like Fozzie and I were so connected I just knew he was gonna pass away I wonder what the record is for crying the most on a podcast (laughs) I don't give a fuck okay I'm pat I'm over it at this point so I put Fozzie down and he went out of my sight which is not normal and then I went to the kitchen he was there and Laura was there and she was like he doesn't look so good and his tongue was white and I was like oh fuck and he just started to deteriorate um he just was having trouble breathing he wasn't in pain but he was definitely uncomfortable and I and he jumped up on the couch he was all disoriented and then he jumped down on the floor and laid on his side and and was having a a difficult time breathing but he I could feel that he wasn't in pain you know how you can just tell him and I were so bonded I just I knew he wasn't in pain and so I called the vet my vet and she's like you need to get him to a hospital right now if his tongue is blue you have to go right now and I hung up and in my mind I was like the last thing I want is to me to be driving to some fucking hospital and have my dog die in the car or have him be euthanized or have me to have to tell them to euthanize him or to, or honestly, I thought the last thing I want to do is to have them bring him back, you know, from this horrible moment and for this to happen again. I didn't want to, he was ready to go. He literally was telling, he was ready to go and I understand it's hard for some people, but sometimes you just have to let go. And so I just laid over him and I pet him and I kissed him. I told him how great of a dog he was. And I told him he could go and he did. He passed away in my arms and he fucked up my whole weekend (laughs) 
And, uh, you know, he passed away. And Laura, who just is so fucking funny, she's like, your dog passed away in the desert, drugged up like a fucking rock star. (laughs) My dog died like Jim Morrison, for Christ's sake, in the arms of someone he loved. We can only hope to pass away that way. My dog died the best way he could have died. Uh, And I realize now how fortunate I am, how many other people have to make the horrible decision to pull the plug on their pets or their loved ones. You know, it's not just limited to animals. I realize that this podcast is dedicated to my dog, but I didn't have to make that decision. And I I realize how beautiful that is and how significant it is and how I realize that my dog let go at the most perfect moment. I I literally had a view of the mountains in the morning in the desert while my dog passed away. That was the view I had. Him in my arms, beautiful desert air, and you know, his he let go and it I couldn't have asked for any other scenario. So I feel lucky. My dog died like a fucking rock star. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty uh remarkable that that happened and um I think everybody uh, there's all the fans who messaged me who wrote on the photos that I posted of Fozzie passing away I read every single thing that you guys had to say and it really is very sweet of you and it helped me to know that I'm not a crazy person for thinking so much of my dog um that there are dog moms out there that are just as crazy, if not crazier than I am about my animals. And I won't make an excuse for it. And I won't apologize. I won't apologize. Get it? Paw. I can do one bad pun joke. My dog died. And so I just wanted to dedicate this whole podcast to my beloved best friend, Fozzie Bear, um, my fur baby, who I will remember for the rest of my life and I have him here I had him cremated by some lady named Carrie with upper lip sweat in Palm Springs who was quirky as could be and I couldn't have asked for a better cremator um I have his his box and his ashes here and I had his paw prints done and I wrote on his little box that his ashes are in I put five pound Mexican asshole so I still have humor, a sense of humor in all of this. <laughs> um, I want to thank everybody for your support. And I um, want to thank Liz Perez for being an amazing assistant and an even better friend and person in my life. And Laura Murphy for being an amazing person in, dis- in disasters. If anyone has a disaster, call Laura Murphy because she knows exactly what to do. She handled it like a fucking champ and called my dog a rock star. And I can't ask for anything more than that. Um, I appreciate you guys waiting for me to put a podcast out after two weeks of being gone. And I asked a few of my friends and family to say something about Fozzie Bear. So um, I had my first boyfriend, Randall say a little something about Fozzie. I had Chris Frangiola say a little word about Fozzie. I also had Tanya Brown, who was a really good friend of mine, who her and I did Minute to Win It together back in the day. 
and we also just worked on um a short film that she wrote i had tanya brown write something for me i had my girl marcella arguello say a little something about fozzy bear my mom and my sister and liz who i haven't heard what she's gonna say because she's gonna add it on to this podcast for me but you guys if you have a dog love them hard love them good get pet insurance for fuck's sakes <laughs> and um to fozzy bear i'll love you for the rest of my life thank you for being a good friend and an asshole consistently i'll miss you buddy this is tanya doll i'm a friend of jesse mays um let's see Fozzie was uh, much bigger than his tiny little body. Uh, He was kind of like a giant bear trapped in a little furry chihuahua. He would go from protecting Jesse May by trying to bite your ankles the moment you walked in the house (laughs) to a couple seconds later curled up in your lap, making you wish you could stay frozen so you didn't wake him up because it was so precious. Uh, I think my favorite moment was when I caught him on video trying so hard to stay awake with us girls after a long shoot but he was so tired. He kept falling asleep standing up. You know when you actually fall asleep maybe on like a plane and you wake up through some sort of large jerking motion and freaking everyone else out around you? It was kind of like that, except a very small puppy doing that. Um, He would catch himself passing out right before we completely hit the couch. It was ridiculously adorable. I'm pretty sure we all didn't stop laughing for a couple hours after that. Um... We're all going to miss that little guy a lot. Fozzy, Fozzy, Fozzy. Where to start? So many great memories of Fozzy. I guess I'll start with the first one. Uh, Jess and I were living in Boston together, and uh, she had her heart set on getting a puppy, and I stubbornly <laughs> did not want to get a puppy. But in her attempt to convince me, she uh, I remember her showing me some glam shots of puppies online that were available and we were kind of sifting through some of those photos and we came across one and I said wow that that one's really adorable and uh little little what I know or did I know that a week later that that particular puppy would show up at our doorstep and after about a one and a half seconds of being like I can't believe you got a dog I Fell in love with him right away. He was the cutest little crazy ball of fur and energy and <laughs> just running all over the place, yapping. We had a cat, too, at the time, Venus, and just watching the, the two of them entertain each other. It was kind of a love-hate. Fozzie just loved Venus, and Venus was like, what is this thing doing here? But <laughs> they kept each other company and entertained. And um, Fozzie absolutely loved Jess from the beginning. I remember when she would leave for work, he would just whine and whine and whine. And I'd go pick him up and hold on hold on to him, sit, have him sit in my lap, and we would bond and hang out. And he was so great. Good for, good for hanging out and bonding. And good for peeing all over the rugs, too. That was, <laughs> that was the one thing we had to get used to, peeing all over the shag rugs. But it was worth it. He was he was just so great. A lot of great memories, taking him home to Syracuse and taking him up to camp and upstate New York and in Maine. And a lot of great times. He was great to travel with and just great to have around. And when Jess moved to New York, um, he went with her. And I know that he just became such a 
staple and important part in Jess's life um, as a companion, as a, as a friend, um, such, a, such an important part of her life. And when I'd heard that he had passed away, I, I was super, super sad. Um, I wish I could have seen him one more time. I loved him to death. Uh, there's only one Fozzie Bear, and he will be missed. Um, Jess, I'm sorry again for the loss. I know it's probably the hardest on you, but just think of all the great times that you had with him, and, and uh, you'll see that it's worth it to have had all those great times with him. So, yeah, thanks for asking me to leave a little message about Fozzie. Um, look forward to seeing you uh, perform in Syracuse over Thanksgiving. I will be there. And, uh, yeah, thanks again. And I'm so sorry again to hear about Fozzie. And I love you very much, and I will talk to you soon. All right, take care. Hey there, this is Marcella Arguello. I'm one of Jess May's comedian friends, um, Sometimes I open for her. Sometimes I force her to let me stay in her guest room. As a result, I uh, I sometimes watch watched her dogs, Carlin and Fozzie Bear, uh, on occasion. And um, you know what is there to say about Fozzie? First of all, he bites everybody he first meets. It's really annoying. And uh, the first time that happened to me, I almost kicked him, which would have been really messed up because my foot is larger than Fozzie and well that's not saying much about Fozzie's size because I have enormous feet uh women's 13 no big deal and uh I liked watching uh Carlin and Fozzie because they're good dogs uh Fozzie uh, however would sometimes or all the time he never wanted to uh acknowledge my presence he was a stuck-up bitch um but I remember when uh, he, he would always sleep in Carlin's cage when Jessmay was gone, and he would just ignore me and want nothing to do with me. And then when Jessmay would come back into town on Monday after touring for the weekend, um, he would sl- sl- lay on my chest. If I was on the couch laying down, he would just help himself to my chest, uh, which is a completely flat surface, so I could see why it's like the floor for him. Um, but he was such a... He was a petty little bitch, which is why I liked him, because that's how I am. You know, when Jessamay was gone, he wanted to, nothing to do with me, and then when Jessamay showed up, he wanted to make her jealous. And I think it worked. Um, maybe it didn't, I don't know. But Fozzie was a lot of fun to be around. And, uh, like, taking care of him, I will not miss his bad breath. But, uh, you know, he was a good dog, and he brought Jessamay a lot of joy, and therefore I loved him. Uh... That's my little soundbite for Fozzie. I hope it's enough. If it's not, go fuck yourself, Jessamie. And rest in peace, Fozzie Bear. Here's another one from one of my besties, Chris Frangiola, a.k.a. Bar Fight Kid Dynamite. <laughs> hey, girl. Calling with my, uh, with my Fozzie memories. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time with that dog while you... Uh, stayed here during your auditions and things like that before you lived in L.A. So there were times where we had a uh, cantankerous relationship, Fozzie and myself. I would come in from work, and he would uh, not greet me nicely. And then uh, things changed. For about an hour in, we were best of friends, hanging on the couch, watching TV, enjoying each other's company. 
I was there when he first uh, went down years ago, a couple of years ago. He fainted in front of us, and we thought, I thought that was the end. And I'm just happy that it wasn't. And he continued on with you for uh, a few more years, traveling to all the horrible places that we have to go as comedians. And I'm glad Fozzie was there with you. I disagreed with the haircut you gave him. I didn't like the long hair on the ears. But uh, now I miss it. Uh, great dog. Great person. Um, great, great dog. What more can I say? And I, you know, and I, I like that dog. I like that dog. I'm glad I got to spend some time with him. I'm glad I got to know him. And I'm glad he was there to protect you in places like uh, Ohio and Syracuse and all the other terrible places and hotels and cars and weird shit that we had to do. Rest in peace, Fozzie. Um, you're the best. I'm glad I got to hang out with you. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. This is Liz Perez, Jesse May's assistant. Uh, this is my little voice note in remembrance of Fozzie Bear. Um, it took me a while to actually meet Fozzie Bear. I remember we had gone to Vegas, and he was with you, but he didn't stay in the room that we'd stayed in. He stayed with Justin, uh, Jesse May's manager, in his hotel room. So, like, I still hadn't met Fozzie. So, yeah, this past year, I actually started to babysit Fozzie um, a lot. Uh, every weekend when Jessie Mae would go away, she couldn't quite bring him with her. So I would stay with him at her apartment. Um, we would have slumber parties. Uh, Fozzie Bear, my girlfriend, Winnie, would all snuggle up on the couch and watch some bullshit on the TV. Um, I always wanted Fozzie to come lay in the bed with us, but uh, the bed was too high, so uh, he couldn't jump down in the middle of the night to take a piss. Uh, or else he would end up peeing on the bed, and that would not be fun for anybody. Fozzie had to get medication every morning and night. Um, he had, like, 30 different pills that he had to take. He'd never want to take them, ever. Uh, I would make, like, a four-course meal to get this dog to try and take his medication. I'd be boiling pasta, got some ground turkey meat, cook that up, put his pills in there. Um, you had to get creative with his pills, because uh, he was just so smart. He would shake the pill out of whatever you put it in. There was, uh, this one time I was babysitting Fozzie, um, Winnie came over. At first, when my dog Winnie and Fozzie met, they wanted nothing to do with each other. I swear, it was like, I had babysat him a few times a month, and all the times they, like, did not want anything to do with each other. Then, like, the third or fourth time that I brought her over there when I watched Fozzie, it, like, a light switch turned on. She was, like ready to go and she would show her ass to Fozzie every five seconds. I'm looking at her right now. She's such a fucking floozy. You little slut. But yeah, so she my dog Winnie would show her ass to Fozzie and they would get it on. Like Fozzie would be like there for like ten minutes. Like it was good. I I I had like my phone out and like they weren't doing anything, but I was recording, like, Winnie, like, showing her butt to Fozzie, and then all of a sudden they started to have, they're like, fuck, so I'm, I'm sitting here recording them, fucking, I'm like, I'm such a sicko, so then I was like, yeah, I'm gonna send this to Jessie Mae, so I sent it to her, I sent her a picture as well, and you can actually see the picture of Winnie and Fozzie, uh, you know, having intercourse on Jessie Mae's Instagram, so if you want to go and take a look at that, that's there for everybody to see. But yeah, um, gonna miss Fozzie. Uh, it's crazy how this like little five pound dog could impact someone's life so much. Um, I wish Fozzie would have waited until uh, me and Winnie got to Palm Springs, you know, 
to say, see you later, uh, when he wanted to see you. Um, but, uh, he couldn't have done it in a better place. Uh, it was really nice. We had a nice view of the mountains in Palm Springs. Uh, it was relaxing. Uh, it was a good weekend. But we both definitely miss Fozzie, and, uh, he definitely left the impact on, I'm pretty sure everybody he met will has something to say about Fozzie. It's just the kind of dog he was. Um, but uh, love you, Jesse May, and uh, love you, Fozzie. Hi, this is Adam Ray, a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, ex-lover of the host of the podcast, uh, fan of John Stamos, and 5'6", um, 170 pounds. Those were the stats on my trading card in the fifth grade. Yeah, I told you I was a fat kid. Um, it's with great... Uh, man just bummerness that I am recording this message about uh, about our recently departed friend Foz. Fozzie is the greatest name for a dog that I've ever heard. So, you know, obviously I became a giant uh, fan of Fozzie's when I first met him based on his name. And then I saw how sweet he was, how soft he was, that adorable little little face. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I want a dog again. I haven't wanted a dog in a long time. And this dog, something very special about him. And he just, like, makes you feel comfortable. And, like, everything is just okay. Like, I, you know, I understand why... Why, uh, why he chose Jessime because she's the coolest and he was the coolest. So they were like, we should probably just hang out together all the time. Um, I know that bringing uh, Foz on the road was uh, a bit of a hassle, but you know that's what you do in a relationship. You compromise, um, and that was maybe that was a little bit uh, of a shout out to my to my ex. Yeah, maybe it was. Am I using a a dog's RIP message to get out some past frustrations and lack of closure on a relationship of mine in which the girl cheated on me and fucked the camera guy in Reno, Nevada. I don't know. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the memory of the great Foz and um, how he impacted everyone who petted him, everyone who got a chance to have him lay in their lap. Um, which is a big deal for a dog when he first meets a stranger. Foz did that for me when I first met him. Um, I think it was about three, four years ago. And uh, and upon meeting me, he had a stroke. Is he the first uh, creature to do that? No. My Aunt Shirley's friend, uh, Bethany, uh, met me and had a stroke upon uh, touching my hand. So I don't know. Maybe I've just got that stroke touch. Midas had the Midas touch. <laughs> I've got Adam Ray's got the stroke touch. Um, it made me very concerned, very worried for Foz's health, which he was not in a, in a great spot at that point. But he went through his little stroke, and then he just he didn't freak out. He just kind of was like, "This is what's going on with me right now. Is it cool if I still lay here in your lap?" I was like, "Fuck yeah, it is, Foz. You uh, you make me feel." Like I mentioned before, that that everything is just a-okay when you're here, and uh, that's that's what I'm miss what I'm gonna miss most about this dog. 
is that he uh, he made you just happy. And I know he brought a lot of happiness to Jesse May. And I know he's bringing a lot of happiness to uh, to dogs up in heaven. And uh, Foz, we will continue to uh, shine on your memory and your spirit. Um, I'm going to have a bowl of uh, kibbles and bits tonight in your honor. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to get very high to do that. So um, probably put some Doritos on top of it, maybe a Costco muffin in between. But either way, I'm going to have a couple bites for you. Miss you. I love you. Thanks for letting me uh, get to know you. Bye, Foz. This one's from my sister, Emily. So I managed to escape the entire time Fozzie was alive, pretty much, without a bite or a nip. However, the last time Jessica was home, I went to go say goodbye to her, and she was sleeping, and I walked into her bedroom, and he came flying out of his bed and attacked my feet. So that was my last memory of Fozzie. But anyways, he, as much as he can be a little bastard, he was a cute little dog, and I'll miss him. Love you, Auntie M. Bye. This is Nancy. I am Jesse May's mom, which also makes me Fozzie's grandmother. And Fozzie actually was my first grand dog, and I know what a great little dog he was most of the time. I also know when he wasn't such a good little dog. Um, he loved being at my house and being on the deck and being down in the lawn and barking at anything that went by. He really thought that it was his job to protect me and everybody there. I think he was happiest with Jessica, but his second place he was happy was in my home. And he will be missed. Bye, Chi-Chi. My mom said bye, Chi-Chi. Uh, Chi-Chi was his nickname, and <laughs> sometimes he wouldn't take his medication, and I'd have to order, like, filet mignons for my dog to hide his medication in, and my mom made me laugh so hard one time when she was making fun of that. She was like, well, tell Chef Simon that Chi-Chi's here, and I need something delicious. <laughs> and I thought it appropriate to have the man who bought the dog for me and the other main man in my life, my dad, Joey Peluso, sent us off with his voice note. Hey, I'm calling about the Fozzie dog. I love that dog because he always bit people that I didn't like. So I loved the little shit. And we called him a little bastard. But I loved him. Because he always bit assholes that I didn't like. Bye. Love you, babe. Love you. Those are all people who are very close to me and who Fozzie affected in one way or another, whether it was showing them love in the form of a snuggle or in the form of a shin bite. Um, and I guess there's many things that I've learned throughout the years having Fozzie Bear and having dogs in general, but Fozzie specifically just because of the time in my life that I had him, this this specific decade that him and I shared together. A third of my life I spent with that dog. That's a long time. It's a long time to spend with anything. Uh, he was my longest relationship. <laughs> that explains a lot. The longest relationship I've ever had is with my dog. 
And um, I guess what I learned from him is if I could think of one thing, the most important thing is that he showed me that I am able to love, um, that I have a capacity for love beyond what I thought I was capable of. And it took losing him to realize that. As cheesy as that sounds, I don't give a fuck. My dog taught me that I am capable of loving something so hard that it hurts my insides. And now I'm not scared anymore. I'm not scared. Bring it on, world. Okay? Fozzie Bear showed me I can do it. So bring it on, motherfuckers. I got this. I love you, sharp tonguers. Hug your puppies tonight. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.